think there is a remnant of people that have prayed for many years for a spiritual awakening in America. Really, an awakening in America really begins, of course, you and I know, with individuals, with Christians, but also with the church. So I see it in our church that there is an element of people across all age ranges that are really hungry for something more. And I don't mean smoke and mirrors and all those things. That's fine for somebody else, but they just want depth. The 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds, they want depth, and they're searching for significance. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler, a pleasure friend to have you stop by. As always, looking forward to the next half hour together with my longtime dear friend, Rob Mullins. Rob is pastor of Crossroads Baptist Church. Is it Eads? Is it Germantown? Is it Collierville? It's Eads, <laughs> it's but it's, it's it's stuck right in the middle of those places. There so, you go. Yeah. You know, when you and I were little boys, if you were out in Eads, you were way out in the country. <laughs> yeah, the train stopped out there when it left Memphis. That's how far out it was, yeah. <laughs> I remember my dad would take me on these fishing trips to Herb Parsons. Oh, man, yeah. You know? we're, we're, very, we're about four miles from there. We're very and close. Now you've got all this development. You've got homes. It's and, crazy. Yeah. And, of course, Crossroads is across the street from Briarcrest, Christian school, and what a campus. You know, most guests that pull up that have not been or like out-of-town speakers or others, Byron, they'll come and they'll walk in the door and they'll go, what college is that across the street? Because <laughs> no, no. they've done, and we have a great relationship with them. We're so very grateful for Briarcrest. They use our parking. We use their parking. Actually, it's kind of funny. We're on the same septic system as theirs, <laughs> right. uh, and we would not have been able to build had they not approved or said, sure, you can well, that was have nice. a pump station. on. So we, we get along really well. They're great folks. I see they have this jumbotron. What high school sports team Absolutely. has a jumbotron? They they have the and they're building and adding facilities and practice fields. God's really blessed that school. So now I know you grew up in Memphis. Did you attend Briarcrest? No, I went to East High School, seventh through tenth grade. Uh, then busing hit, and I ended up my last two years at Central High School, the okay. high school. Central so, High. Yeah. My mom graduated from Central really? High School. Yeah. Well, sweet. So it goes way back. Yeah. Wasn't East High School like one of the first city schools? I think so. And, you know, even then, Byron, when they were first established, they would have been considered East, East Memphis, you know, right. there, it didn't extend much further there. And then, of course, East Memphis exploded. So, Well, my grandfather ran a gas station at Poplar and Belvedere for like 46 mm. years. It was Tyler's Lion Oil Gas Station. Oh, wow. Yeah. And if you went east on Poplar and you crossed over the Vidoc, either on Summer Avenue Vidoc, mm. you were actually in the county, I think, by that time. <laughs> well, I'm know? not a bit surprised. Uh, you know, I grew up at First Baptist in Midtown, and they have on their cornerstone when they were built in... I think it was built in the late 40s or maybe even 1950, that, that facility. They were the boundary for the city limit. It was right there at Poplar and East Parkway. Can you believe that? That's not that long ago. That is not that long ago. It's amazing how the city has grown and spread. What an opportunity for the church, right, of Jesus Ab- Christ? Absolutely. One of the reasons the Lord led us to where we are and just provided these 36 acres that we have just been so, so grateful for is because there were so many unchurched or formerly churched people in East Shelby County. And we got the demographic study from the North American Mission Board, Byron, and they told us that somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 to 110,000 formerly churched people lived in the eastern part of Shelby County. Wow. And that was 10 years ago. You said formerly churched. 
the church is becoming something that a lot of people are ignoring today, Rob. Yeah. I think, uh, and I'll say this, ministry has never been more difficult, but it's also never been more promising, meaning there's so many hurting people. There are, of course, angry people. There are fearful people. As we can tell, just everywhere you go, you see that. But I think that the biggest thing is people are searching for significance and meaning and really affirmation yes. because there's just so much... You know, what's going to happen next? Are we going to go back into being forced to mask again? But it is an amazing opportunity for ministry. I think even among the younger generation, some in our generation would say the younger generation today just doesn't have any interest in the church or in the gospel. And that's just not true. Mm. We started a new Bible study at our church for men and women. I'm leading a men's group and my wife is leading a, a girls group. One of the young ladies after our time last night said, in my group, most of the girls in my group were brand new believers. And that's exciting. That is very exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. And you and Pam are perfect for that, so good for well, you. Well, praise God that the gospel, something you posted recently was out of Romans. It talks about the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel, absolutely. What's it say again? Uh, it is the power of the gospel to change lives one breath at a time, if that's what you're looking for. So. Well, yeah, but the verse, I'm not ashamed mm. of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God into salvation to the Jew and to the Greek. And again, another message today when we talk about standing up for the gospel, because we are in a really a post-Christian world today living. Some people don't want to confess that, but it seems like we really are. We're now in that generation of folks my age and your age that so many of them, the grandparents you and I can call ourselves and them, that they stepped away from the church some years ago. So there's really no continuity for even the children of those grandchildren, for the grandchildren to really find a reason to go. So we have to be more and more committed to reaching outside the walls of the church. Wow. Amen, Rob. You've got a special event this weekend yes. at Crossroads. Somebody that I've interviewed on this show and have talked to personally multiple times. Mm. You've got a fall awakening starting, I think it's this Sunday? This Sunday, yes. It is our fall awakening uh, revival service, if you will. Dr. Dennis Swanberg is coming. He's going to preach Sunday morning at 930. Then we'll have a service. We don't normally have a Sunday night service, but we will this week. He's going to preach again on Sunday night. Then, of course, Monday night at 7. I remember the first time I heard him back when we were at Bellevue many years ago. Pam and I taught in the youth group. Phil Newberry, who was the youth pastor, as you know, y'all were incredible friends. Once a year, he would have like a teacher appreciation banquet. At that time, Dennis was pastoring the Second Baptist Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Great church. yeah. Yeah. They call him the Minister of Encouragement. That he is, and I will go so far as to say, and I hope he at some point can listen to this, because we're close friends as well. He's just crazy fun, but he's a deep well spiritually. Many, many, many people want to have Dennis because he is such an exhorter and encourager. Is he still living for Jesus? He's still living for Jesus, <laughs> just a bit. No, he, he's rock solid, my friend. You know, I've had a couple of encounters with Dennis. Of course, at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, we've had some time together. But I remember a few years back in West Albany, Mississippi, there was a like a, a series of meetings outside at this community park. David Jeremiah was flown wow. in. Do you remember that? I actually do remember that. Yeah, yeah. David Jeremiah. I was flown in to be the speaker, and Dennis Swanberg was part of the event. But I never will forget this rainstorm that came down. I mean, it was like, I don't think I've ever been in a rainstorm. Everybody was outside. But the other thing is they had these little festivities before the evening got started. There was like food to eat, and there was these balloon rides. Go up on a tether so far. Yeah. 
And I thought, well, this would be something cool. I've never, you know, got on a hot air balloon before. Mm -hmm. And as I was making my way, and this was a sunny day, Rob. Mm -hmm. The weather was actually perfect. I started walking to ride this balloon, and all of a sudden, this puff of wind came out of nowhere and took this balloon and wrapped it around some high-tension wires. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was like rolling around this line with a lady and her son in the basket. Oh, my goodness. It got serious because yeah. all of a sudden, the high-power lines were being pulled together. They started arcing, and fire was and sparks were shooting everywhere, covering the basket. And we were just like, oh, my goodness, mm -hmm. you know. She was a good 30 feet in the air, I would wow. think, you know. Wow. Thankfully, it turned out well, but I will never forget. I did an interview with Dennis on site there at that event. I don't think you'll forget that either. Isn't it amazing <laughs> what things stick out in our head for markers, what you and I would call milestones. You know, you and I just have marker days, and we remember the peripheral stuff as well. So that, that's very neat. There's three words, according to your website, that best categorize your church. You say you are a community of families, singles, students, running to the heart of Jesus together. Mm -hmm. That from day one for us. We're, this coming March, Byron, it's hard to believe, we'll be 15 years old. And we'll have a big celebration in that time frame. But we knew early on, my wife Vicki and I and just a small handful of others knew early on that we wanted to be very relationship-driven. We have stayed close to that. We've done our best to stay close to that and not be event-driven or uh, real program-driven. Now, we do have programs. Obviously, we're having a special event. But reality is when you focus on relationships, I think you have the chance to reach even deeper into people's lives and be able to stand with them when crisis comes, celebrate them when the good day come as well. Yeah. Jeremiah 6.16. Jeremiah 6.16. It was our anchor verse, our founding verse. And basically it says, look for the ancient paths and you will find rest for your souls. And I think that the big thing is um, some folks may say that that means old fashioned or it doesn't mean that. It means the way that the Lord Jesus walked and we should search to walk those paths. Yeah. Why are you having a fall awakening? We did it in the spring a couple of years ago. We decided that we just wanted a fresh start from the summer. School's back in, of course, for everybody, Byron. But we wanted just something to really back to church, if you will. And we asked Dennis. We've had pastors and preachers in the past. Of course, he is one. But I just told our guys that we're working on it. Let's have somebody unique. And I'm laughing as I say that because I know you know the swan as well. He's definitely unique. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be great. Well, what does an awakening look like? I think an awakening is when God's people are praying. You know, we have to pray. When God's people humble themselves, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, will heal their land, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Are, are we at that place, Rob? Do you think we really are thirsty? Do you think we really are hungry? You know, we look at conditions in a political climate. We say, you know, we want cheaper gas prices and better food prices and better opportunities for housing. But, I mean, that aside— are we really thirsty and hungry for God? That's a great question. I've been asked that or something similar to that verbiage that you use, Byron. I think there is a remnant of people that have prayed for many years for spiritual awakening in America. Really, an awakening in America really begins, of course, you and I know, with individuals, with Christians, but also with the church. So I see it in our church that there is an element of people across all age ranges that are really hungry for something more. And I don't mean smoke and mirrors and all those things. That's fine for somebody else, but they just want depth. The 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds, they want depth. 
and they're searching for significance, as the book you and I read years and years ago. And I think the church is the perfect place to awaken hearts to their need, because if you do not have Jesus with the way the world is going, it's just crazy. Dr. Rogers used to say it's growing gloriously dark. And every day you look and you just see our world's just upside down. The churches that I know that I'm with, churches, the pandemic didn't help anybody. It didn't help businesses. It didn't help homeowners. It didn't help churches. And the medical field, of course, had their hands full. I'm not sure we're fully over that, meaning the impact of of, of the pandemic. And, And I'm not sure that the side effects of the pandemic, and I will say this very carefully, were all bad. Because I think that that brought most people literally around the world, but particularly in America, brought them to a place of man, I, I need help here. Yeah. I can't cope or I don't understand or why are they making my five-year-old mask up at school, you know, when I can't even get him to brush his teeth, you know. <laughs> but I, I do think, that, with your question, I do think the awakening is people hitting their knees, brother. Yes. People hitting their knees, begging God, people developing not just compassion, but a passion for lost souls. Yes. We've lost our tears. Mm. We really have lost our tears for the brokenness of the world and for those that are lost. Gosh, wow, Rob, I was just thinking this morning, as you mentioned that, somebody that's very dear to me, are they really walking with Christ? And I pray for them, and I just in my spirit said, have you wept for them? Hmm. Have you really just cried out to God for their soul? Wow. And to be honest with you, until this morning, I'm not sure I had. Hmm. And it just really made me think what you said that, you know, that— I need to be really shedding tears. I mean, not just as an emotional thing, but really seeking God. And I mean, you don't have to shed tears to seek God. Absolutely. I, I, I know that. But just seeing a contrite and broken heart before the Father, mm. that pleases him, right? I, I think it pleases him very much, and I think that's very biblical. And, you know, it, it's amazing to me to think about the fact that God can take something like, let's use the pandemic again as an example, take something that was extremely destructive and the enemy meant for it to be extremely destructive. But I think the byproduct, like we've already said, are people searching for significance and people searching for hope. I mean, that time frame, there were so many people that just became hopeless. Yeah. You know, and then then I think mental illness entered a lot of people because they were locked up and shut in. It's time for us to spread our wings, brother. Amen. I mean, um, Jesus is coming back, and we yes. better be ready. Are there examples in Scripture for awakenings? Uh, I think really if if you—the the hallmark for me and for us is the Second Chronicles 714 passage. And we jumped on that um, right after the pandemic hit, leading really up to this kickoff with this fall awakening, that really you've got to— Deal with your own personal sin first. And you've got to ask the Lord to give us those tears. You know, I heard somebody say one time, we need to be broken. And when we're broken, when we hit the ground, it makes us look up and look to the Father for help. I think we're stronger when we're out of place of incredible dependence, just like you with a friend or family, someone close to you, just like me with a family member and many people close to me as well. You know, Lord, if it takes you breaking them, 
break them to bring them to you. Yes. Just spare their life, yes. please, you know. And one of the things we started, I started to say, was the Second Chronicles 7 to 14 passage. We started asking our church to pray wherever they are, driving wherever they are, 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m. Just pray for God to awaken our church, churches in our area, and America yes. to their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Rob, I love that. 714. Let's remind our friends listening right now, you can do the same thing, friend. Pray. Pray for your family. Pray for yourself. Pray for your church. Pray for our city, our state, country, and, mm. and the world, actually. Uh, someone recently posted on Facebook a picture of a cassette tape that was entitled Evening Worship 31587, A Reason to Live and a Cause to Die For with Reverend Rob Mullins. Do you oh, remember preaching that sermon? I do remember. I was trying to actually find the outline the other day. I saw the same thing on Facebook. I'm surprised they, that, that they even had it on cassette tape. Where did, where did the world go? Some people are saying, go? what is a cassette tape, Bob? Yeah, what, what is that? And, and Real to real, I mean, how far we've come. I do remember preaching that. I don't remember the outline very well, and I really would like to find it again. Well, I'm not so. going to put you on the spot, but I do want to ask you in relation to that, just that thought there. Do you think people today are really concerned about their lives, that they're looking for a real reason to live and a cause to die for? I think very much so. And um, more, I think more than ever in my lifetime, um, they're searching for significance. We've said this three or four times already today. But the other thing is when you're facing the – I know this is a hard place to go, but you're facing the whole gender ideology and the wokeism and all that, that – People have just massacred their own lives physically, emotionally, and spiritually because they just don't feel like they are enough. And the Bible screams and the Holy Spirit screams, you are enough. You are enough in Jesus Christ. Yes. But you'll never measure up. You'll never be able to do anything good enough, of course, to merit salvation. Only it's by grace through faith. Yes. And, you know, Rob, I think even as Christians, sometimes we can confuse our identity, spiritually speaking, because we know our identity is Christ. We have been crucified with Christ, and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. But then we see ourselves having these cravings and, you know, of course, the flesh and the passions or desires or endeavors we want to seek or maybe idols, mm -hmm. you know, that we allow to get in our way. Idols is a good word, Byron. Yeah. I think that some of our idols, too, have been um, really to stay in our little world a little bit, you know, just, you know, I'm just going to stay in my little world. Of course, our family should have priority after our walk with the Lord. But, but when you stay cloistered like that, I think your mind— and your spirit can grow dark yeah. if you're not careful. We, the bottom line is, Byron, we need each other. You know, we really do need each other. You need me to be praying for you, and I need that from you as well. And I think it's time for us to rise up and say, listen, I'll stand behind you. I'll pray for you. Yes. Rob, I like this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, God doesn't want something from us. He simply wants us. Wow. And I saw that on your Facebook wow. post. That's why I wanted to go back to that. Wow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know where I picked it up, but it's one of those things that was like a javelin to my heart. You know, it was like, this is so true. And it really, in, in, in so many ways, it's very comforting, you know, because if we get in the habit of works and trying to do good and be good, that's never enough. It's not. And also, we're not made for that to be satisfying. You know, the only satisfaction we'll ever find in this world is not in this world, but is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I came across this verse the other day, Romans 15, 5. I'm not going to quote it exactly, but there's a couple words in there that really stood out to me. 
that God gives us perseverance and encouragement. I thought about that. God gives me perseverance. We have this idea, I've had this idea that I've got to muster up this, the most difficult time or just trying to get through this Christian life. I've got to persevere and then God's going to bless me. But here I see God gives me the perseverance. Absolutely. It's something that he does through me. Amen. You know? I, and I agree a hundred percent. Anything that we have in our own lives is it, and we said this over and over, is, is not enough for what you and I call soul impact that impacts our soul to the point of, of change and to where we can be at peace even when very challenging times come. Rob, I know we don't have a lot of time. And I, next question I'm going to ask you could take actually two or three programs. How much influence did Adrian Rogers have on your life and ministry? Oh, wow, Byron. That, that is a very humbling question. I think about Dr. Rogers probably every day. It's either when I'm studying or either something pops up on social media or I open my Adrian Rogers Legacy Bible that I preach out of. And I'm reminded that those years that we all had in those days were really, Bellevue's doing great and that's super under Dr. Gaines, but those years we had that Dr. Rogers called the glory years. And Jim Whitmire, minister of music, you know, he had 30 something years at Bellevue with Dr. Rogers and even before that. But the fact that I was able to be the college pastor under him in those years was an advanced seminary degree. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people ask me all the time, I get asked all the time, what was he like? He was exactly, and I know you know this yes. personally, he was exactly like he came across when he preached. He didn't become a different person. He didn't shut people down or out. Now, he, everybody was pulling on him and grabbing at him. But when we had, when I say a degree from seminary in those 17 years, I, I felt like it because we had Tuesday uh, ministry luncheons, and those were unscripted. Every once in a while, there would be a matter that we all had to hear about. And at the time, it's hard to believe, I remember at one point I counted, and there were 32 ordained men. Nobody dreaded going to that. Can, can I tell you a funny story yeah, about pastor's luncheon? Yeah, yeah. Um, was reminded of this the other day. Um, what, what, Tuesdays were always women's ministry in the morning, and then they had lunch, and then we had lunch, uh, ministers' lunch together that day. But it got to where when we were scheduled at the same time that we had the same food that the women's ministry had. And <laughs> after about week three or four of a of a pear half, a dollop of cottage cheese on a lettuce thing and a, and a sliced tomato, I just remember the we were going to go by and pick up our food. I just remember it sounded like a funeral party, meaning there was no sound. Everybody was real quiet. And we took our food back. We all set it down. My friend Phil Newberry leaned over to me and he said, man, what I wouldn't give for a pizza right now. And Dr. Rogers on the other end of the table. And he said, hey, Newby, what did you say? And he thought, he said, I would give anything for a pizza. And he said, if you'll order it, I'll pay for it. <laughs> and I never will forget Half an hour later, we've piled this many pizzas on the, and it was hand to hand combat. And I just remember everybody was like, this is the greatest day ever, you know? So, you know, you always wonder where do jokes come from? And I know with probably even time you had with him, you could see his mind spinning. He, he was the seedbed for a lot of jokes. He yes. would think of something funny and then turn it into a story to tell. Yeah. He was a master storyteller. He was a great encourager. One of the high honors of my life was to be able to serve. Any one single piece of advice he gave you for ministry? Uh, 
personally, not too long after he had retired, no, he was about to retire. You know, I didn't do this a lot, and I was very grateful. I didn't ask a lot at all, but it just so worked out that we were able to go to lunch together. And he said, how can I pray for you, Robbie? And I said, would you please give me a double portion of your spirit? Just like Elisha said to Elijah, and he leaned back and he said, son, Jesus is going to do something through you, and he's doing something through you now. You don't need anything from me. That was just his humility and really speaking the truth. I would say that's one of the biggest things. The other thing would be how incredibly critical God's Word is. He would say another great piece of advice. He'd say, boys, he calls men, but most of the time, hey, boys, I want to tell you all something. Stay lashed to the cross. Yes. And I, I was watching a Love Worth Finding piece yesterday, and it reminded me of how many times in a message he intentionally said, Jesus. Yes. It's like Dr. Whitmire used to ask him early on, Merritt Island days, uh, what are you preaching on? And I'll form the music around it. And you know what Dr. Rogers' answer was. He said, you sing about Jesus and you're there. You're there. Yeah. That's right. And uh, so that was, those were great times. Well, you know, Rob, even saying the name Jesus, yeah. it just comes off the tongue. It's a beautiful name. Well, Dr. Rogers used to say all the time, Byron, you probably remember it well, Jesus, that name just fits real good in my mouth. Yes. Well, it's all about Jesus for the Fall Awakening, September 10th through the 11th at Crossroads Baptist Church. This Sunday, friend, you're invited to come to the church 930 in the morning to hear Dr. Dennis Swanberg, Minister of Encouragement. <laughs> yeah. He can tell some funny stuff, too. Yeah, he, he is certifiably crazy. And I use that term because I was in a meeting, a pastor's meeting in Orlando in November, and he was one of the guests. And everybody that stood up said, this is one crazy guy right here. <laughs> Because he set the table, like like you said, at events. He just kind of put everybody at ease, you know. He's never inappropriate. Humor can be challenging for people that make their living off of humor. There's probably significant temptation to say something off color or yes. or inappropriate. But he's always clean. He he never is in a hurry. He like he loves rubbing up against people and shoulder to shoulder and praying for people and patting people on the back. So. We're super excited. So Sunday morning, 9.30, Sunday night, September 10th at 7 p.m., and then Monday, 9.11 at 7 p.m. Yes. Of course, the church is located at 125 Houston Levy Road in Eads. Again, across from Briarcrest Christian School is the number 901-309-7777. That's exactly the number. (laughs) So somebody wanted to call the church. There's no cost, right? There's no cost. Uh, Child care is provided. You need to call today. Call that number, and we will take care of child care for you. Again, that number, friend, is 901-309-7777. Rob, God bless you, my dear brother. It's always fun to get together with you. I'm so glad we had this time. Again, the fall awakening at Crossroads Baptist Church, 125 Houston Levy Road with Dr. Dennis Swanberg. Sunday morning at 930, this Sunday, September 10th at 930, 7 p.m. Sunday evening, and then on Monday, next Monday, September the 11th at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. It's going to be great, Byron. And I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Ron. Thank God you bless you, God friend. bless you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.